2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Faith should be sincere. Shouldn't be fake. Should be real. I'm reminded of your sincere faith which I first lived, or sorry, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. Everyone say Eunice. Eunice. That is a great name. And I'm persuaded it now lives in you also. First Timothy, I want to read one other scripture. The letter that Paul wrote to Timothy the first time. In 4.12, 1 Timothy 4.12, it's a famous verse. You've probably heard it. It says, don't let anyone... Look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. I want to speak tonight on this idea, a faith like Eunice. A faith like Eunice. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, thank you for your word. We pray that over the next few minutes as we hear your word, that we would allow it to take root in our hearts. We thank you for characters like Eunice, who though they don't get a lot of credit, um, God, they have a significant impact on why we're here today. Uh, We pray that we'd be the same kind of people who don't seek our own gain, who don't try and get forward and climb the ladder of life, but instead seek to do the things that though no one may see it, you see it. God, we want your approval. We want to be those kind of people. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. You ever, uh, you ever done something and kind of realized you are more like your parents than you thought you were? You ever seen those commercials? Yes. It's like the, 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 the young people becoming their parents. I'm realizing more and more, as much as I don't like to admit it, I am becoming more like my parents than I thought I was. And even my grandparents, my grandparents were... Um, They weren't hoarders, but they kept a lot of stuff. And I remember there were times in Bible college where my grandparents on my mom's side would come to visit me. And they would bring, they had this massive like hunk of a Cadillac with a massive trunk. You could fit like 15 bodies in there. I don't know why that was what popped into my head, but you could fit 15 people in there. There were never any bodies as far as I could tell though, okay? And so they would drive this up. And they would unload their trunk with all of this junk and say, good news, Taylor. We've got all of these things that we want to give you. You ever had grandparents that do that? They just, they come over to your parents' house and they know they're going to torture them. And they bring all this stuff. And I remember my mom, she says, Taylor, if I ever become like that, you just need to tell me. Because I never want to do that. Can I tell you, my parents have become my grandparents. My mom does the same exact thing. She buys things for Hayden that we never wanted. And now we've got our cars and our playroom full of stuff that means nothing. Yet the moment we try and throw it away, Hayden says, no, I need that. It means something to me. It's the worst. 
And it's funny because I say the same thing, like, if I ever become Noel, if I ever become like that, if I ever do that, if I ever hoard things, if I ever collect things, please stop me. And if you've ever seen in my house, in my cupboard, next to my refrigerator, just across the door, you can see that I have hundreds upon hundreds of mugs. Anybody like a good mug? Anybody think your coffee tastes better depending on the mug that you're drinking it out of? I agree with you. I have, I have an affinity for mugs. I have a special affinity for bad mugs. In fact, my mom today literally came into the office. She brought me a mug that they found at the Goodwill. And it is on my desk right now. I love bad mugs. And it's funny because I never thought that I would become in certain ways just like my parents or my grandparents are. Like another example, when we were kids, Cameron can attest to this, when we were kids, we'd go to my grandparents' house. And at our house, we were used to pouring a large, tall glass of milk. And I would chug it down. I loved it. And I, I, I would even put ice in my milk if it wasn't cold enough. I needed it so cold. Anybody else like cold, like ice-cold milk? I don't like, I don't like coldish milk. I like ice-cold milk. And... So I would pour, I'd pour a big glass of milk and I would chug it. I'd drink a gallon a day. I loved milk. Loved it. And it's funny. So it's funny, though, because we'd go to my grandparents' house and my grandma, she was more frugal. And half of the year, they lived in the woods in a motorhome and they had a tiny fridge. So they would buy quarter gallons of milk. And so their cups were four-ounce-sized cups, a little bit bigger than a small Dixie cup. And they would pour them half full of milk. And they'd say, if you drink that, I'll pour you some more. And we'd say, no, Grandma, you don't understand. We pour big glasses of milk so we can drink it faster so that it tastes colder. And she said, sorry, not in my house. And I hated going to my grandparents' house because they would not let us drink a lot of milk. And I know it sounds so stupid. But it really scarred me as a kid. And it's so funny now because I have a four-year-old who she all the time asks me, Dad, can I have milk? And I will pour a quarter inch of milk into a, into a sippy cup, screw it on, and I'll hand it to her. And she'll say, no, I want more. And I'll say, no, if you drink that, you can have it. She said, no, I want a full cup because I'm a big kid. And I say, no, Hayden, I'm in charge here. I'm in charge of my house. God has given me stewardship over the affairs of my house. And I'm giving you a quarter inch of milk. And if you drink it, then I will pray about whether you can have some more. <laughs> and it's funny. The other day, I'm literally doing that. And God, it flashed me back to the moments that I'm scarred in my grandparents' motorhome, sitting at their floral tablecloth table in their motorhome with a, like a, this much milk, and I was so frustrated, I'm realizing I am my parents, I am my grandparents. And it's so funny because sometimes we don't like to admit it, that more often than not, a lot of what is in us was actually imparted to us from somebody else. I'm here to say that your faith, if you have faith in Jesus, it did not start with you. That you actually owe your salvation not only to Jesus, but by someone who was faithful to allow God to use them, and they imparted it into you. 
How many of you have someone that you're thankful for in your life that you know you're sitting here today because of their stewardship, their faithfulness, they're not giving up on you? How many of you have someone who's never given up on you? They pray for you when you don't deserve it. They look after you when you don't deserve it. When you stab them in the back, they run after you and they say, I'm not giving up on you. Are you thankful for them? See, the reason that you're here, the reason that you have faith, the reason that you can worship freely is because somebody else's faith didn't stop with them. And you may not have parents that believe in Jesus. You may have family members who are going the opposite way. But there was somebody who met Jesus who because of their faith, you're sitting in this seat today. And you may not even believe in Jesus yet. You may not be sure about how you feel about this whole faith thing. You may not have fully surrendered your life to God yet. But you will someday and you will owe your faith journey to somebody else who was faithful to allow God to work through them and not allow their faith to stop with them. See, because your faith was never meant to stop with you. And it's an interesting story because in my years being in church, I've heard little to nothing about this character, really these two characters, Lois and Eunice. She's the man, anyone? No? Still Amanda Bynes' best work? Channing Tatum's best work? And Eunice, best character of that movie, Eunice. <laughs> okay, nobody got it still. Ah, it's a great movie. See, but the reason that we have faith is because someone went before us. See, what you don't probably understand about Timothy is Timothy is the first person that we know in Scripture. The very first person that we know in Scripture to be a second generation Christian. This is a fascinating thing. Because a lot of us, we, can, we know our grandparents, we know maybe our great-grandparents, and I don't know what your faith journey has been. I'm a second-generation Christian. My, my parents got saved in, in the late, uh, late 70s, early 80s. They gave their hearts to Jesus in a church which would have a revival, and they gave their lives to God, and this church is here today because of that. But they were the first-generation Christians. They did not grow up in Christian homes. My mom did not know God. She had a great family, but she didn't know Jesus. My dad didn't know Jesus, even though he grew up around the Catholic Church. All he knew was there was religion, and then there was all the people who misrepresented it. He didn't know Jesus. They both gave their hearts to Jesus in the 80s, and their lives have never been the same. I've grown up as a product. I am a second-generation Christian. I'm a second-generation. Some of you are first-generation Christians. I'm not going to single you out tonight, but I want to applaud you and say good on you and don't stop with you. Because you're a first generation Christian, but your kids are going to be second generation Christians. And your grandkids are going to be third generation Christians. Why? Because your faith is not going to stop with you. Don't ever think that your faith is about you, friends. Because it's not. Your faith has never been about you and it will never be about you. And yet it has everything to do with you. Because when you allow it in you to take root into your life, suddenly your faith begins to go beyond you. And you become like Lois and Eunice, who were first-generation Christians. See, in those times, Jesus was in recent memory. For us, Jesus was a 2,000-years-ago guy who is now in us by the Holy Spirit. But for them, Jesus was a historical figure who some of their parents knew or met firsthand or touched or saw at a revival meeting. Some of them witnessed firsthand the miracles that Jesus would perform. 
So they're seeing all this. And what we know about Timothy's mom and his grandma is Timothy's mom was Jewish. So she didn't grow up as a Christian. We don't know much about their family, but we do know that his mom was Jewish. So she, in, in her religion, but also her nationality, she was a Jewish person, but her husband was a Greek. He was not Jewish. He not only had a different ethnicity, but he was not known to be a Christian. As far as what we can tell about, about Timothy's parents is that it was a little bit of a house divided. His mom was Jewish. His dad was Greek, doesn't know God. And sometime, Timothy's mom invites Jesus to be the Lord of her life, becomes a Jewish Christian. And we don't know how her and her mom got saved. We don't know if they were in the same room and they, had, they, they met Jesus together or if grandma met Jesus and she said, hey, Eunice, Uni, I don't know what she called her, Eunice. Um, so I know, I know you're Jewish. We're Jewish. This isn't really how we've rolled. But this guy, Jesus, he's the real deal. All right, let's do it. So all we know is that at some point in Timothy's life, maybe early or maybe before he was born, Lois and Eunice meet Jesus. Timothy grows up as a young man and becomes a Christian, gives his life to God. And he's the first second generation Christian ever represented in scripture. Significant, very significant. Which tells me, this. And I want to give you three thoughts about a Eunice faith. It tells me that Eunice influenced up and she influenced down. I'm going to talk about this a little bit. Number one, you can write this down. A Eunice, a Eunice faith influences up. And like I was just saying, Eunice was Jewish and she converted. She didn't grow up as a Christian so there's a chance, and we don't really know the whole scope of the story, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that her and her mom had influence on each other in their journey of faith in following Jesus. So that tells me that Eunice, being the daughter, had an influence on her mom. And sometimes we limit what we can do to be influencers on those who are beneath us and not those who are over us. But I'm here to tell you that like Timothy and like Timothy's mom, you are not only called to those who are after you, but you are called to influence those who went before you. Some of you got teachers. Guess what? God called you to lead your teachers. Not to lord yourself over them, but to influence them. This is why I know that it's so significant. Paul, knowing Timothy's family, knowing their situation, knowing all of this, knowing how significant his parents' faith was or his mom's faith was, writes to him in his first letter and he says, hey, Timothy, stir up the gifts that are in you and don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. But instead, set an example to the believers, the old ones, the young ones, the ones who are your peers, the ones who are your enemies. Set an example to all of them with how you live, with how you speak, with your purity, with your faith. Let your life set an example. And I'm here to tell you that you, whether you are in eighth grade or you're about to graduate, you are called to set an example to those who are beneath you and above you and all around you. You're called to it. 
There are teachers in your school who need your faith because your faith is not about you. There are principals. There are custodians. There are baristas. There are people in the industries that you will go into. And guess what? God did not place you where you are and will not place you where you're going so that you could just be there to fulfill a function. You actually have a dual purpose wherever you go for the rest of your life to be an influencer in that place for the goodness and the grace and the glory of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. This is why you exist. God did not arbitrarily put you where you are. Some of you are like, I wish he would have. I wish he would have put me somewhere else. Guess what? He didn't. You're sitting right here and it is on purpose. So you can either get with it or resent it for the rest of your life. But I'm here to tell you that God has called you to influence up. God's called you to influence up. Some of you are intimidated, but Paul tells Timothy, which I know he probably would have been like, Mom, check out this letter that Paul wrote to me. She would have heard it too. Don't let anybody look down on you because of your age. He's not talking about young or old. He's saying, don't let anyone allow your age to be what transcends your purity, what transcends your faith, what transcends your actions and your words. What he's saying is let your wisdom speak louder than your age. Some of you let your age speak too loud. Some of you let your circumstances speak too loud. What I'm here to tell you is let your character speak louder. Let your resolve, let your purity, let what you're committed to speak louder than your age. Man, there's some 14-year-olds in here who allow their maturity to speak a lot louder. But there are some 18-year-olds and 17-year-olds who are letting your age speak a lot louder than your wisdom. And it's time for us to say, you know what? I'm done with what people think about the average 15-year-old. And I'm ready to accept how God sees me. And he doesn't see my age. He sees who he's created me to be. And I'm going to start to walk in it in 2020. I'm going to start walking in what he's called me to do. Because I'm not going to let anybody look down on me because I'm young. Or because I'm a guy. Or because I'm a woman. Can I hear it from the ladies? God, God did not call you to be average. God called you to be people of character. Women of character. Women of resolve. Women of strength. Women of uh, having a strong voice. And wherever you walk. God has given you influence. Don't let anybody tell you that you can or can't do any career or anything at all because you can because God has called you to it. But don't let anybody look down on you because of it. Because Eunice didn't. But she didn't do it for the glory. She didn't do it for the recognition because she got a little bit of it next to none. There's not a lot of talk about Eunice. And I think part of it is because of her name. And we have Lois to blame for that. Because i got to be honest, if your name is Eunice, you do have some odds stacked against you. Just saying. Don't name your kids Eunice, okay? But I'm here to say that Eunice decided I'm not going to let this stuff dictate. And I, I, I would even venture to say that you and I are standing here today because of Eunice. You and I are in the church today because of Eunice. Why? Because Eunice being faithful to, with her mom, we don't know much about dad, but all we know is mom and grandma are the ones who raised Tim in the faith. So I mean, you got dads who are distant, 
Let me talk to you who have dads who don't pay attention to you or dads who have not modeled the character that you aspire to live after. And I'm not here to presume that I know everything about your dad's situation. I'm not here to call your dad out. I'm not here to say that he's a bad dude. I'm not here to, I don't know any of that, but here's what I am here to say. Some of you don't have dads who have imparted into you what ought to be in you. But I am here to say there are some people in here who you, you, you may not know your dad, but your mom's been praying for you, your grandma's been praying for you. Or maybe there's some other men or women in your life who are investing in, into you. Instead of re- resenting that your dad's not there, thank God for the people that he's put in your life. Thank him that you're in this seat tonight and maybe you don't have it yet, but you're saying, I'm here tonight for a reason because I need to find some people who are gonna impart the right things into me because I know 10 and 15 and 20 years down the road, I'm gonna be a person of character and despite those things that have worked against me and the people that weren't in my life and didn't impart the right things, I'm gonna be a person who allows the right people to influence me and I'm gonna change the trajectory of my future and though I may be a first generation person of character. Maybe I'll be the first person in my family to actually aspire to a good future. Maybe I'll be the first person in my family to follow and build the church and follow Jesus and give my life to him. Maybe I'll be the first person in my family to not cheat on their spouse. Maybe I'll be the first person in my family to hold a job because I'm a good steward. Maybe I'll be the first person in my family to make some money and to be generous. Maybe I'll be the first, but I will not be the last. And this is what Eunice understood. Eunice may have been the first, but she's not the last. You're not called to be the last, friends. You may be the first, but you ain't the last. Some of you are privileged to be second or third or fifth or tenth generation Christians. Let it continue past you. Be willing to be so insignificant that all you did was kept the faith alive. I want to be so insignificant that I'm just one of many in the Murray line who continue to keep the name of Jesus the most important thing of our family. And I will. And I can see it in Hayden. I love watching her recite scriptures and sing songs like all the kids bop worship. It's not called kids bop worship, but it's like that, only worse. It's bad. Like they take some decent songs and they totally trash them. But I love it. It, it, There's there's nothing that I love better than he. There's sometimes we're driving in silence and Hayden is singing those songs. She's singing them. She's singing the word of God. She's reciting her scriptures. And guess what? I may be a second generation Christian, but Hayden and Jude and the rest of our kids, guess what? They're gonna be third generation Christians. And I'm gonna be alive to see my grandkids be fourth generation Christians and my great grandkids be fifth generation Christians. And not only that, it's gonna span beyond our family. It's gonna go to the ends of the earth. Why? Because I'm gonna have a Eunice faith that says it doesn't stop with me. I'm gonna influence those above me, but guess what? I'm also gonna influence those behind me, those who are under my influence. I just wanna ask you a simple question. Raise your hand if you're in middle school or high school. It's all of us? Okay, good. Guess what? How you act around students who are two years younger than you matters. It pisses me off when I see seniors in high school school acting like ninth graders who have not gone through puberty yet 
talking in ways that are unbecoming of a Christian. It, it ticks me off when I see it. I'm not here to bash on you, but I'm here to say step up. I'm, I'm here to say it's time to be a man. It's time to be a woman and stop saying it's because of someone else. It's because I wasn't trained. Well, guess what? Here's your opportunity to train yourself. Here's your opportunity to say, I'm not going to blame anybody else. I'm going to be the kind of person who does the right thing because that's what people of character do. That's what people who follow Jesus do. I'm going to be the kind of person that when I mess up, I'm going to repent. I'm going to say, I'm sorry. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to be the kind of person who instead of gossiping, I speak well about other people and I run the other direction when I hear it because that's what Christians do. I'm going to be the kind of person who does these things because that is what people of Jesus do and I know that as I do that people are watching me see Eunice and Lois knew that Lil Timmy was not guaranteed to follow in their footsteps because they knew their family history because the Jewish family history had some blood in it had some stains on it one of the greatest sins of the Israelite people was generation after generation. They would accept God. They would plead for mercy. God would come and rescue them. He would fight on their behalf. And he would say, come back to me, and they would. But then a generation would go on, and they would forget the goodness of God. They would forget. See, Lois and Eunice knew this. It's in our tendency to accept this stuff and not pass it on. I tell you, you're just like the Israelite people if you think your faith is just for you. If you don't think that how you act when nobody's watching matters. If you don't think that how you talk matters. If you don't think that showing respect matters. If you don't think that picking up trash after yourself matters. If you don't think that how you speak to people above and beneath you matters. If you don't think that the way that you act when other people may not be watching you, but they're seeing you matters, then you're just like the Israelites who thought that they'll just get it by osmosis. And you know what they're getting by osmosis? Is your hypocrisy. What we ought to be the kind of people who do is we understand. I don't want to rant. I'm going to, maybe I will. This is why what you post on social media matters. Because it's not about you. When did this ever become about me? Or you? Or anybody in here? It's not. It's about the influence that you have. It's not about your opinion. Your opinion matters this much. But your legacy matters this much. The the example that you set, the license that you give to those who will follow you, Some of you, you raise your hand, you got a sibling who's younger than you. Oh my gosh, how you act, what you post, how you treat your parents, it freaking matters. Why? Because your little siblings are watching you and they're taking license. Your disrespect becomes their heroin addiction. Your lack of honor becomes their rebellion, becomes their hatred. And I would hate, and I'm not saying that you are responsible for your kids or for, for, your, um, for your little siblings, but what you are responsible is for the example that you set. 
And you will be held accountable in heaven when you stand before the throne of God and you see him. And he says, man, I gave you a brother and a sister. And all you did was disrespect your mom. All you did was ignore them. Oh, I don't want to be this. I know Eunice was Timothy's mom. And you're not a parent yet, but you're practicing on your siblings. You're practicing on the middle schoolers here, high schoolers. You're practicing on the kids that see you when they run through the lobby on Sundays. It's significant that you show up on Sundays. Why? Because those fifth graders and fourth graders need some seventh and ninth and twelfth graders to see and say, this is what I aspire to. I have formative memories. As a five-year-old, as a fifth grader, seeing guys I thought were nine feet tall. You know how I know how to spin a basketball on my finger? I've won contests doing it. I won a contest in fifth grade. It's my claim to fame. <laughs> Spinning a basketball on my finger. You know how I did? It's because Israel Campbell taught me. It's because basketball team players that were in my parents' youth ministry taught me. There were people that I aspired to be like. Shuey Burdine, my drum teacher. These were people that were significantly older than me that said, I'm not going to let my face stop with me. I know that my pastors have these little kids running around. Sometimes they're annoying, but I'm not here to be comforted. I'm not here to have ease. I'm here to leave a legacy. So I'm going to be intentional about the example that I set. Some of you, you need to stop coming around church if all you're going to do is come for you and what your comfort is all about. Some of you need to stop because you being here is significant. The example that you set leaves a legacy for years to come. Are you with me tonight? And how we live matters. This isn't about us, friends. I'm confident that without Lois and Eunice, we don't have half the New Testament. We're not sitting here today. We don't have this church. Paul does not have the credibility that he has. Why? Because Lois and Eunice's faith produced a Timothy who had a sincere faith, just like his grandma and his mom. And that person, Timothy, is what gives Paul his credibility. Paul is not Paul without Timothy. The apostle Paul, what gives him credibility is that he was a father to Timothy, which was what exposed people to the depth of his ministry gave him credibility as he wrote to the church in Rome and to the church in Thessalonica and to the church of Colossae and to the church of all these different places. All of his credibility comes because Timothy was his son in the faith. Because Lois and Eunice said, I'm not going to let my faith stop with me. We speak to you ladies in here. Your influence is significant. Whether you grow up to be a career person, a mom, an aunt, a stay-at-home mom, a mom who stays at home and works, a business owner, an entrepreneur, a political leader, a pastor, whatever you become, your influence is so significant. Because unlike men, you know how to nurture and you know how to lead. You have the ability to do what men cannot do. And let me speak to you. Let me just say that your role on this earth is significant. And I don't, I, I, I don't want to stand here as a man and presume I, that I know what it's all about. What I know, though, is this. 
is that women like this did not get enough credit because we're standing here today because of them. And I'm here to tell you that history will look at you and say, man, it is so significant what you did. It is so important what you gave your life to. And it is so important now that you live in a way that is worthy of the call that God has on your life. This is what Paul tells all of the churches that he writes to in Ephesus and in Colossae. He writes them, he says, make sure. I'm gonna invite the band to come forward. He says, make sure that you are living lives. Let me, let me men and women, listen. Be sure that you are living lives worthy of the calling that you've received. The call you've received is significant. Is your life significant? Is your life significant? Are you living worthy of your call? You may not be perfect. You may not do everything right. You may not have it all figured out. But how you live today matters. This is what we see from Lois and from Eunice. A Eunice faith influences up. A Eunice faith influences down. And lastly, you can write this down. A Eunice faith does not make excuses. Does not make excuses for circumstances. Acts 16 Paul came to where a disciple named Timothy lived whose mother was Jewish and a believer but whose father was Greek the believers there they spoke well of Timothy and Paul wanted to take him along the journey so he circumcised him this points back to the fact that Timothy's lack of circumcision either points to his dad didn't value it or his dad was out of the picture for they all knew that his father was a Greek. See, people these days, they followed a man's lead. The family went where the the man went. They followed the guy's lead. This wasn't always bad, but this is just the way that it always was. They followed the, the man or the husband or the father's lead, and he dictated where they went and what they did. And Eunice here had an opportunity to blame her husband. She could have blamed her husband for why she wasn't going to raise Timothy in the things of God. She could have blamed, could have resented that she was all alone. But instead, she brought grandma in and said, hey, I don't got hubby at home, so you're going to be husband. You're going to do daycare. We're tag teaming this thing. Because little Timmy... He needs more than what I've got. We're doing this together. She didn't wait for Timothy to find his own path. She said, I'm not gonna make excuses for my circumstance. I know that I have a legacy to leave and I'm gonna leave it. You have a legacy to leave. And your life on earth may never tell that whole legacy, but make no mistake, you have a legacy to leave, and it is significant. Don't waste it. How you live matters. Own it, lead, impart, set an example. 
Some of you, your school needs to be different because you're there. Your family needs to be different because you go home. Some of you, your parents, some of you, you wish your parents followed Jesus and they don't. Guess what? God put you in there, in your family, so that they would. You have an opportunity to leave a legacy beyond yourself. What are you doing with that opportunity? Are you wasting it? Are you going to step into it this year? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? Maybe tonight you're ready to influence up. You know some people in your world that God has placed you in that sphere of influence before those people, teachers, bosses, parents. You know that God has called you to influence up. Would you raise your hand all over this room? Just put it up so I can see you. You have someone in your world that you want to influence up. Awesome, you can put your hands down. Maybe you got someone in here, a sibling, underclassman. Maybe it's someone who's a peer, but their maturity level, they need you. Like they came into your life and you're far along in your journey with God and they're brand new. Guess what? That's influencing down. That's pulling someone behind you. You got someone in your world who you want to influence down. Would you lift your hand? If you raised your hand, um, here's what I'm gonna have you do. Just in this moment, we're gonna end in, in just one minute. But if you said, you know what? I'm gonna influence up and I'm gonna influence down. I'm gonna begin to set an example. I'm gonna leave a legacy. If you raised your hand a minute ago, would you be so bold as to right where you are? I just want you to stand in your seat. Just stand. And if you don't, I wanna challenge you to put yourself in places where there are people who can follow your example. Lift your hands all over this room, if that's you. It's gonna take boldness. Why don't you lift both hands, just in a sign of full-on presence and intentionality. Some of you have been compromising your influence with how you live, and you think no one sees it, but God sees it. And God is saying, on the other side of your willingness to go all in is influence like you'd never imagined. Some of you say, I'm a leader on my school because I'm in student leadership. No, you're a leader on your school because God's created you to be a leader. And God has given you an influence that only he can give and only he can take away. And he will give you opportunities and favor and open doors like you will never imagine when you live a life of character rather than a life of trying to climb to the top. It's exhausting and the view from the top is nothing near to the view that you fly and soar above the competition because God is taking you to places that no man could ever take you. Lift your hands. I'm gonna gonna pray for you just right where you're at. Leaders, would you just stretch, just begin to look around and survey the room and stretch your hands out. Maybe lay hands on people that you're near. And I just want you to begin to intercede for them. We're gonna pray for them. I'm just believing right now prophetically that God is infusing a new level of strength into some of you guys. 
that God is about to bring some of you into places and doors and, and opportunities and spheres of influence that you could never imagine and you're afraid of it, but God is saying, I'm gonna bring you to places that are gonna take some faith, but it's also gonna take some character. It's gonna take some moral uh, fiber. It's gonna take some depth. It's gonna take somebody who's rooted in God, who's giving everything that they have to the things of God, who's not going halfway, but going all in, saying, God, you are number one in my life. Nothing else matters but your glory. It is not about me. It is not about my influence, but it is about the glory of God being established on earth, wherever I go and whatever I put my hands to do, God, let it prosper for your glory and for your name and for your goodness to be known across the earth. God, I pray that teachers are gonna be invited to church and meet Jesus for the first time this year. God, I pray that influencers are gonna come and say, what do you have on the inside of you that makes you so different? God, I pray that people are gonna be brought into situations and where they can only rely on your Holy Spirit, but because they've prayed, because they've given themselves to the things of God, they will know exactly what to do in those moments. God, I pray for anybody who's compromised, anybody who's been fake, anybody who's been two-faced, and I'm pretty sure, God, it's every single one of us in some way. God, would you get us back on the right path? We thank you, God, that 2020 is a blank space. 2019, who cares? I went backwards, not forward. But 2020, your mercy is new every day. It is, your grace is good for me today. It's all that I need. The past is gone. You have made all things new. So God, we declare over 2020 that it will be a year of exponential growth, not only in this ministry, but in the hearts and the lives of every person here as we lean into you, God, in Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Come on, are you ready to take your school, your family by storm this year?